0: welcome to the volrath feed where we take a closer look into anything and everything related to the very diverse world of the commercial food service industry we talk about cooking chefs food professional kitchens equipment everything and anything related to the food service and hospitality industry i'm your host rich rupp the training manager and chef at the volrath company and today, as always, I have with me Justin, our producer. Hey, everyone. Okay, well, hey, once again, I would like to welcome back to the show Chef Seth Vanderlyn, who is the, to remind everyone, the founder and president of Heart of House Hospitality, which is focusing on the helping of companies achieve their culinary and sustainability goals. And uh, welcome back to the show, Chef.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. Hey, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. I like, Maybe another Euchre quote today. That'd be a fun one. That was good.
1: <laughs> I will promise a, a Hall of Fame catcher quote. <laughs> Must
0: have been a great, a great time working with him. He's just a, a great personality.
1: Oh, he, absolutely. <laughs> so on today's show, we'd like to talk
0: a little bit more about um, where you see things. We uh, you know where we are now versus where we think things are going to be going in the area of. Of like high volume properties, when we talk about food courts, cafeterias, uh, front of house food service in all ways, and you know, action stations, all those things we think about in the front of the house now, and in, in this space where so much is going to be changing based on you know what we've been through here with the COVID nineteen virus and all the heightened uh, alert everyone's going to be on with food safety, where do you see these operations progressing to? You know, where we where we where do you think that's going?
1: Uh, yeah, I think in the last couple of years, you know, it's been, it's been a few years now, but you you're starting to see these food courts, these, you know, cafeterias, they're bringing the, the cooking out, the show kick, the show cooking out into the public more. Um, and that's been great. You know, it's people like to see how their food is prepared, how their food is handled. Um, but again, that's going to, like you said, bring increased focus on how the, the actual personnel is handling the food. Are they using, you know, proper, you know, Food handling techniques single-use gloves washing of the hands um, i think you'll probably uh need to see an increase in barriers what you know what the barriers between the culinarian and the public so maybe added sneeze guards or you know partitions that kind of block them from getting that close to the food but i think the showpiece will always uh be an increasing of demand. People do want to see the product. They want to see the freshness of the ingredients and um, in those things. Chef, it seems like a, lo- a lot of places have
2: been moving in this trend for for a while now, you know, uh, presenting the food and preparing it uh, so that people can see it and be around it. Do you see that happening more? Like, will this process be expedited and more places will be adopting this because people are interested about food safety and they want to know, they want to be able to see with their own eyes and believe that their food was prepared with the utmost care and safety that it could
1: be. Absolutely. I think that, you know, a lot of this, a lot of the cooking in front of the guest has been more of a focus, a lot to do with, you know, how much food you're seeing on TV nowadays. You know, you've seen a lot of cooking on TV for the past 10 years, you know, Mm -hmm. so people are wanting to see that in front of them, at their cafeteria for lunch, um, and I think in the past there's been a little bit of a barrier for the chefs operating these large kitchens because the needs for hoods and the needs for you know the the commercial equipment that they are not allowed to cook in certain environments. But now you see things like induction burners, mm-hmm. and and the equipment is being designed to be moved out into these locations where you might not necessarily need the hoods or the the ventilation or certain equipment. So now that the equipment has, um, you know, really kind of caught on and and is easy to use and easy to clean and easy to operate, it's it's doing really well. And I think now is a great time um, to explore possibilities in your own location when you don't, you know, if you don't have uh, people inside of your operation right now due to the, you know, coronavirus, it might be a good idea to kind of walk your operation and See, Hey, you can, how can I retrofit some of the areas I have already to better service my customers once the doors do open up.
0: Oh, you're yeah. right. No, that, that front of house and Volrath is, you know, we've been, um, promoting our front of house cooking and we've, we've got our downdraft vending because that is a, a big concern. And, and, that's a really big area where other uh, agencies or local uh, inspectors and so forth look at, and, and they make the call. If, if they think that you can safely make something out front that's that's low emissions, basically no grease-laden air, they might let you make the call. But there are others that just say, no, absolutely, you have to have some type of ventilation, a hood, fire suppression in a certain area. So we're, we're looking at those things at the Valrath Company anyway. Uh, even now, before this big trend it comes out of the COVID nineteen deal, but um, that's absolutely a, a way that people are trying to bring that action out into the front. And the big holdback has always been the need for a hood and fire suppression.
2: Yeah. For those who don't know, yeah, you, you you mentioned induction, and I still think that induction is is magic. Um, I've, I've looked at all the the science and math behind it, and uh, but you know, it still is just it's amazing to me. Uh, you know, at and-
0: Volrath, we've been induction leaders here for quite a long time. We got in the business back in 2003, and we own a factory in China. We make our own boards, and it's a big, big area for us. And it basically what it does is it takes magnetic energy and um, frequencies and pushes or vibrates molecules in the pan to create heat. Heat is created through friction, and anything trying to be pushed across the pan the molecules or causing them to vibrate will cause friction so that's that's the magic of induction it heats by this magnetism or the frequencies causing the pan itself to get hot that's the big difference between induction and other methods so you're very efficient you've got very little um exhaust if you will or or uh, latent heat coming off it you're only heating the pot so your requirements can be a lot less but still when you're Sauteing in a pan, you have grease-laden air that comes off the product. That's where the the need for a hood still is going to come in and, and those local guys can make the call. Even though it is flameless, it's nothing gets hot per se in the unit. The the, the big concern still is that greasy air that comes off the top. And you yeah. don't you really don't want that in your dining room anyway.
1: Yeah, and they've there's and that's kind of why they've done, you know, wonderful work in designing those downdraft ventilation systems where you can still keep that open air. Uh, cooking environment um, and not have the the bulky hoods or quite frankly not have the ability to install a hood in these locations
0: right you got a little that theater out front right that yeah people like to see that's the thing we we run into a lot though the uh, agency having control or jurisdiction again can come in and make a call and a lot of times if you can convince a guy you're doing eggs in an omelet station low temp very little oils used they'll give you a pass but the, the other guy could come in and say well you're doing eggs today but could you saute shrimp tomorrow and you'd say well i guess i could well then you gotta have a hood so it's it's really one of those touchy areas
1: yeah that's one thing that we've kind of been lucky with at miller park because our concepts are pretty much set in stone our menus are with you know from my time at miller park is we would create a menu that really wouldn't change we'd get the improvement or approval on it and then just roll with it and we that's a lot of times we were able to get away with a lot of those open air cooking methods
2: Speaking of your menus, um, this has nothing to do with nothing, but what was one of the dishes you were most proud of at Miller Park?
1: Honestly, it would have been my first year I did a banh mi brat. Um, oh, nice. Oh, yeah. It was, nice. And it had Ooh. some media attention and it was probably, I don't want to say before banh mi's were were, were sexy, but it was, <laughs> it was, you know, pretty much not a lot of people knew what a banh mi was. And if you mm. think about a traditional banh mi, it's essentially a, a pork spread on a baguette or on a roll with, you know, vegetables, uh, and then some sort of dressing. So essentially we, we took the spread minced pork out and we substituted a bratwurst, um, topped it with a, uh, daikon radish, carrot, Mm. cilantro, lime slaw, uh, did a, uh, spiced mayo on it. And it was phenomenal. It, Uh It was great. Um, People enjoyed it, um, and the fact that it was on a bratwurst, it, it oh, yeah. so so yeah. it didn't it didn't move enough to you know warrant it keeping on the menus year round. But it was my personal favorite, and ended up being a one of uh, Euchre's favorites as well. So, oh, nice! Yeah, yeah. Well, at, what? A,
0: at a ballpark, you got that type of. I mean, we've come a long way from hot dogs, you know, as, as the only food at ballparks. You're getting something like that now. That just says a lot about not only the. The, the quality of the food, but just the demand from what consumers want, right? Yeah. And- uh,
1: yes. Yeah. It, it, people are expecting that a la carte quality food in large-scale operations, and that's kind of ties into having, you know, the, the food move from the back to the front. You know, people want mm-hmm. that restaurant experience. Um, you know, I remember going to uh, Tiger Stadium and Wrigley Field when – I was younger and that's, you know, I'm 35 now and it was, you know, it's not, I'd like to say it was (laughs) not that long ago, but I guess it's longer than I want it to be (laughs) ago. Um, But I remember it's very, well, it used to be very basic, just hot dogs or Italian beef. And now it's, it's crazy what you can get. And it's crazy what the, I don't want to say it's crazy what the expectation is uh, from ballpark foods. uh, But because as a chef, I I embrace the challenge. I like that, you know, people want that a la carte quality food the fact that people are leaving yelp reviews on, on yeah. stadium food is <laughs> is upsetting but at the same time it shows where we've come
2: yeah yeah well and that that expectation that's really the driving force behind everything yes. that that is done and yeah it's you we've seen some really remarkable things come out of it
1: yeah graham uh chef graham elliott of chicago is a, a good friend of mine and he's always every year they have him do a couple different items at, at wrigley field and that's to think of you know 10 15 years ago if you would have ever asked a celebrity chef to come up with you know a ballpark item it, you know it's, it's it would be unheard of
0: yeah how many unique items did you have on if you looked at all the food outlets i guess other than sweets, but things you sold like out of the kiosks or out of the, the stands how many unique items do you think you had at the ballpark
1: um, we probably had, well, when I first started we had to we switched over all of our concepts. We had a large concessions renovation um, and we switched over um, I think it was 170 some different items in that wow, in that you know in that time frame. Now we'll focus probably on around 30 to 50 every year that we're consistently changing over there might be some tweaks you know some sponsors some sponsorship changes um or you know some things here and there but for the most part unique items you're probably looking at 30 to 50 that aren't sponsor influenced Mm -hmm. and what was the number is
0: is the hot dog figure into the top x percent of sales is that still a as a item count
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Our, our hot dogs and brats, you know, when, when people come to, and you have to embrace that when you're in, when you're in that role, you have to embrace that people are going to come to the ballpark. They are, you know, 60% of the people are going to want a certain beer and they're going to want a bratwurst. And that's fine. That's, and that we're, our job is to make the greatest brat and serve the coldest beer. To that fan, but there's going to be somebody that's going to want. Hey, I do want a bon me bra, or or I do want you know the loaded chips and cheese with house sous vide, you know sirloin and beer caramelized onions and those things. Or I do want the you know pierogi concept. I do want you know these things. We and that's what we also want to cater to that fan as well.
2: Yes, I want all those things right now. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Well let's let's circle back around to these volume properties and retrofitting. How how does a person who who's never even considered this and they have this time now where they they need to be productive and they need to be gearing up for some new expectations and new changes in in the industry? What recommendations would you have for an operation to to move to some front of house and just procedures and operations that they need to be aware of and they need to educate themselves on?
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, people that are looking to make changes that might not have any experience or any, you know, start line on on what to do um, is probably to look at equipment that is multifunctional. You know, I would, if you want to try, you know, euros, maybe you're not investing in a, a vertical spit, maybe you're investing in, you know, the basic induction burners that you can do multiple things you can do omelets you can do pastas you can do those type things a lot of those you know a lot of that equipment is now quite affordable it's easy to be cleaned it's uh, easy to move um, it's very user friendly um, so I think if you're not sure where to start be basic and start with a couple pieces of equipment that you know you can do multiple concepts from um, and make sure your flow is right make you make sure you know approach your approach what is going to be your new station from a guest perspective you know does it flow does it have natural flow do you need to add stanchions do you need to you know direct traffic do you need you know the breath guards perfect yeah.
2: yep exactly we could probably talk a whole hour or two just on breath guards <laughs> right where, where they started and where they are now
0: well that that's great information there chef and everyone i hope you uh, got a little insight again into the world of food service and the uh, front of house cooking we're talking about here today and some of the trends we might see uh, going forward. Chef, thanks again for uh, joining us here today. We appreciate you uh, joining us. Always as always on the show, any parting words today or your last thoughts of the episode here?
1: Um, this episode, I think, you know, the key is change management is being prepared coming in to your operation um, with fresh eyes and a, Positive attitude towards change. Um, world's changing, the industry's changing. Um, embrace the change, and being able to have a manageable change plan is going to be crucial.
0: Great advice. Agreed. Great advice. And as always, we'll ask you for that famous or that quote that you may have. Another, uh, I won't set you. up. I won't say, say it has to be a Euchre quote. Any quote you have, but any <laughs> any other uh, good quotes we've asked you now. For uh, these quotes at the end?
1: Well, I think this one, like I said, I promised a Hall of Fame catcher, but it's not going to be euchre this time. It's going to be uh, a guy that I unfortunately never had the privilege of meeting. Yogi Berra said, When you come to a fork in the road, take it. <laughs> so that's just <laughs> one of the classic Yogi Berra quotes. Uh, I've actually loved it. You know, I've, I've had it in my my email signature from time to time. And that's, it's just, it, it's kind of the perfect one for a chef because. Life's gonna throw a, a bunch of different paths at you and just take it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> take yeah. it. Yeah. You have forks. It. Lots of it's forks in weird life. So.
2: <laughs> uh perfect, We'll, we'll perfect. get into some of those paths, you know, and there's lots more to dig in there with you, Chef. <laughs> exactly.
0: We'll look forward to having Chef on the show again with us on a future episode. So thanks again for today,
2: Chef.
1: Absolutely.
2: Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Justin, any last words from you? As always, just like to remind you to subscribe to our channel on the platform of your choice. Never miss an episode, never miss a guest, never miss a topic. Perfect, perfect, all right. And uh, on that note, everyone, speaking of topics, if there's anything
0: you'd like to hear from us, anything that we've talked about on a previous show or things you'd like us to talk about, please drop us a line at volrathfoodservice.com slash the feed. And remember everyone, don't worry about what everyone else is doing. Just do what you do best and no one's going to beat you. That's it, everyone. Take care. See you next time.